0: yeah
1: hello and welcome back to the couch gm podcast my name is ryan parker and i'm joined as always by matt chamberlain how you doing matt it's been a good day weather's nice i've been outside a little bit now we get to pod yeah and now like we uh have another two podcasts in a week we're returning to our like finals form yeah it's feeling good i feel good uh, let me remind you to follow us on Twitter at NBA CouchDM Pod and on Instagram at CouchDM Podcast. Uh, give us a shout out on there. Um, and if you haven't already, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher. We greatly appreciate a rating or a view. Um, and before we get into the bulk of episode 43, because we've got an episode for you, it's going to be awesome. We're going to talk some crap on some wizards. We're also going to talk some crap on some Northwest Division teams. Um, But let me recap episode 42 really quick. We talked about, on record, our Russell Westbrook trade after a vacation. Took a banana boat vacation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we started uh, breaking down uh, the division, divisions, going division by division, featuring talking about current rosters, broad projections, outlooks. Um, point out some notable players, situations, all that stuff. Last episode we talked, first started off with the Atlantic Division, start, started with Matt's team, the Boston Celtics, then went to Brooklyn, talked about New York and James Dolan's dumpster, dumpster fire an organization. We talked about Philly and Toronto to round out that podcast. Asked an interesting question, so make sure you're listening to the end of that podcast. Go back and listen to it, because we had a really good conversation there toward the end about
0: Uh, A good question Matt posed. So, let's get into episode 43, Matt. So, I just want to throw this wizard stuff out there because they're hilarious and they just do things. Quietly the worst worst run franchise. Like, we talk crap on the Knicks, but the wizards are... As big or bigger dumpster fire? They're trying. They're trying really hard. Um, so I think we mentioned it last time, um, or maybe we have just off air, Ryan. So the team took the interim GM tag off of Tommy Shepard, which, okay. I don't know why you didn't do it earlier. <laughs> Is it just because, you know, Masai up in Toronto just strung you out for forever? Or what? I don't know. But they finally took the GM tag off, which I'm not, I don't hate that. It's just like, why did you wait? Why did you go from April? What was it? Second? Something like that. When Ernie, Ernie
1: Grunfield got fired to the end of July now when
0: you're through free agency. Yeah. Like a legit, like three and a half months and you had the draft and free agency. Obviously we didn't love how that went for them either. So it really makes you wonder like what, what was Tommy Shepard's mindset during all this? Yep. But okay. So he's got this tag taken off now. He's, he's just the guy. So, you know, it's, we're in prime off season now. And so, of course, Woj was like, let's get this guy in my pod. I'm trying to promote the new pod and all. They got the nice new graphic. Mm. All right. So, he brings Tommy Shepard on his pod. All right. And uh, he asked him about Brad Beal, of course, because everyone loves to speculate about Brad Beal, us included. Love to get on the trade machine. Absolutely. You can find some really fun ones on there, too. Um, and so, he asked him, like, what's, what's going on with Brad Beal? What's his future with... Washington, and Shefford just says plain as day on that podcast didn't make a huge deal out of it. Uh, he plans to offer Brad Beal a max extension, which would be a three-year, one hundred eleven million dollar deal, and he's eligible to sign it this Friday, July twenty-sixth. That sounds great, Matt. Hey, I, I would sign a three-year, one hundred eleven million dollar deal. Yeah, um, but I'm not Brad Beal. What's the catch, though? <laughs> the catch, though, is if he just literally waits another year. Uh, he could get a four for one fifty-five, so almost forty million dollars a year, as opposed to his. This would be like thirty-six thirty-seven a year. So it's like a slight uptick in money and a more guaranteed years. Oh, okay, and then if for some reason Brad Beal makes an All-NBA team this season, which is a possibility. It was he, really close to it this year. Yeah. Uh, so. If he did make an All-NBA team, it doesn't even have to be first team. It'd be second team, would be third team. You just gotta make an All-NBA. He'd be eligible next summer to sign a five-year, $254 million Supermax extension that would begin in 2021. That's like $50 million a year. And by the end, he'd be getting paid, like that last season, it'd be like $57 million. So all this being like, very obviously, math. <laughs> There's no reason Brad Beale should sign this contract yeah there's really there's really no reason Washington should even like offer this because they're like you're not signing it, right right There's no reason for Tommy Shepard to announce to the entire basketball world that we're throwing it out there for him, and we want him to sign it, right so then why <laughs> like that's just like it's a very simple question. Why do it then? so we have a theory. And it's because we love drama, and we love the trade machine, or just doing it on our own. We don't eat ESPN. <laughs> is this gives Washington a reason to trade him. It's leverage, right? Yeah. Like, that's all, that's all Tommy Shepard is doing here. Because the fans, like, they're going to be upset if you just straight up trade Brad Beal. Like, right. They're going to feel like, we have nothing, and you're right. You, I mean, you basically have nothing now, but Rui Hachimura, a nah. Um, <laughs> so if Brad Beal then obviously is going to decline this extension, you can spin this in, in the mm. media. Brad Beal doesn't want to sign this extension. He doesn't, he doesn't want doesn't, to be here. He doesn't want to be here. He doesn't want to deal with another year of John Wall and his injury. He's not sure where his team is going. He doesn't have confidence in in our you know plan for the future. Well, if you start getting that, that narrative out there, that just means like, all right, you can justify to your fans, we got to trade this guy. Yep. And the fans would be like, oh, you know what? I guess. He sees the writing on the wall. And it's kind of that acceptance. It's borderline the Paul George thing, but in, a, in, the, in the limelight way of handling the situation. Because right. that's how Washington does things. <laughs> they don't like secretly do things and finesse all-star plus deals. From the Clippers.
1: No. And my question to you, like, thinking about it, doesn't that give Washington less leverage dealing with other teams? In the
0: negotiation, probably. Maybe slightly less. But then you're like, hey, we still have Brad Beal. He's under contract for two seasons. Right. So, like, that's significant to me. Like, it's not like he's about to expire and walk next year. Yeah. So, like, you still have a year to get a deal done. Like, you're not in a rush. Even the trade deadline's an option for this Brad Beal trade. It might not happen this summer. That's a good point.
1: Like you can leverage teams against each other Mm -hmm. instead of leveraging. Yeah. What against like a team? Um. I think that's what probably Tommy Shepard will have to do to
0: maximize whatever trade you can get. Take this into camp. Yeah. And either do a Jimmy Butler twelve games into the season deal, and be like, hey, look, Brad Beal can fit in anywhere. You can bring him in now, even though he didn't go through training camp with you, and he'll still work because he's a shooter. Yeah. Like, just like that's his biggest attribute, obviously. And so he can fit it anywhere. And you just need to find that one team that got off to a six and six start and looks kind of janky and be like, you need him. Right. I feel like Miami is going to be like Miami's going to come up in every because that's
1: how Miami operates. But like, it's like,
0: it's going to be like a, a deadline of, like, once Dion Waiters has his fourth game of taking, like, 20 shots and <laughs> making less than 50%, they're going to be like, we can't do this anymore. It's going to be, like, game nine also when that happens. Um, Jimmy's like, get this guy out of here. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of our our theory here is they're setting this up. Yeah. Like, they're trying to be on the front side of this narrative. Washington, the team is. So that way, when... The inevitable does come. They can at least get a probably still a decent trade package for them, and look good to the fans, and not get just crushed by the media. I mean, if we can think through things, they deserve to be crushed by all of these different uh, individuals. (laughs) They shouldn't
1: have ever been in this situation in the first place. But
0: but here we are, because again, they do things. But here we are. This is just like the hilarity that is the Wizards, right? Yeah, like they just handle their business in the media. You don't really build a team through free agency or the draft. You have <laughs> disgruntled superstars and this just funky management. It's just, I love the dysfunction just because I want to see them like keep doing stuff. Either figure it out and like be like, hey, look, a success story because you've got it together. Right. Or you just keep doing dumb stuff and it's fun to laugh at.
1: Yeah. I think my, my favorite, like, I was so surprised we were doing the preview podcast. Our, one of our first podcasts to go into the season, and you were like, Yeah, the Wizards aren't making the playoffs. And I was like, <laughs> There's no way. Like, Brad Beale and John Wall are going to get those teams to the playoffs somehow. And I was thinking that without the John Wall injury, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then John Wall gets injured, and then there's just like a little media blast Like a couple weeks after his mm-hmm. injury. He tears his Achilles while he slips and falls yeah. in his
0: kitchen. <laughs> And then poor Brad Beal is just by himself, and now here we are with the Wizards. Well, it exposed what the rest of the team was. Yeah. Which is nothing. <laughs> Bad. So, and it, it's basically that same roster plus Ish Smith. And <laughs> like, where, that that can only go so far, right? Minus Dwight Howard, though. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe addition by subtraction. But, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those, like, they, they're they just a really fun case of what are you doing? And maybe there's they're playing checkers we're playing chess and then they somehow king us at the end or what i don't know i don't know how either of those games i think everyone else is trying to play chess and checkers and they're playing like connect four (laughs) maybe that's a better one they're like wait this isn't the same circle circular piece on the checkerboard. connect four (laughs) we got you it's like man you don't even all right that's enough on the wizards they don't deserve any more of our time that's Uh, true let's get back to what we we came here for yeah which was the continuation of our divisions breakdown we were in the East at the beginning of the week. Now we're moving over to the West. We'll alternate, which go in alphabetical order, happened to be the Atlantic. Now we're over into the Western Conference, the Northwest Division. Maybe the most brutal division. There's there's another one that's got a, a chance for that, but I think the Northwest really is just god-awful like to be in. So again, with each of these teams, we're gonna examine their current roster, maybe a depth chart broad projections and outlooks for them and then point out some notable or breakout players or, or questionable situations without assuming any more major injuries. So like, we have to factor in the Durant injury as is, the, the Nurkic injury as is, but we're assuming no more major injuries from here in our projections and outlooks. So we'll start, again, just like alphabetical order, we'll start with Denver, the darling for a lot of people last year. Yeah, the they were... Number two,
1: they ended yeah. up being number two. Yeah, um, we kind of talking about them last season. Didn't make the playoffs the season before. We're in that playoff game with Minnesota, and they came out firing. And Jokic was a MVP type of
0: player throughout yeah. the season, and such a fun team to watch. Yeah, proved to be a good regular season team. And, yeah, I mean they they got to the second round before they got bounced. Again, their record last year was 54 and 28. So compared to where they were, that's that's a huge step forward for that team. And even getting to the second round, I think, was a valuable just learning experience for this team because they are still pretty young. Their starters again this year should look pretty similar: Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton. I assume will be starting for this team. Paul Millsap and Nikola Jokic. I mean, I I think if you had that success last year, you gotta. You don't mess too much with this starting lineup. Right. But we'll, we see some adjustments, though, in their, in their depth. So they, they figure out this Monte Morris dude last year at backup point guard. Real good. <laughs> Very good basketball. Man, someone who doesn't suck, <laughs> right? Like, just the age-old philosophy. He handles the ball. He hits open jumpers. He doesn't turn the ball over. Just wonderful. Your boy, Malik Beasley. My
1: boy. This dude,
0: I'm excited for this dude's season. I'm I, really high on it. Maybe if, too it, high. I know. Well, probably, but you, you joke, not joke about most improved player. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, he doesn't start, so there's there's a problem there. All right, so this is a little bit of an assumption, but Michael Porter Jr. as the backup three for this team. Mm. Jeremy Grant, recently acquired from the Thunder, as your backup four, and then Mason Plumley as your backup five. That's a pretty good ten man rotation right there that you can kind of adjust for the playoffs as needed. But I'm that's strong. It's a strong group. And then the the backups uh, past that Torrey Craig, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Jared Vanderbilt and then Bol bol if, you know, he can get on NBA floor ever. But yeah. even so, I think he starts as their their last guy. So anyway, focusing on the main 10, of course, like there's a lot of promise at the beginning and still like some solid guys on on the back end of this team. So, like, in terms of projections or outlook, I mean, still playoff team, right? Mm, yeah. But, I just, it is tough to replicate that record from last season, knowing how there's, like, seven teams in the West that all think they're going to win 55 games. <laughs> and Breaking, not all of you are <laughs> winning 55 games. <laughs> I mean, unless, like, the Suns are, like, winning nine, the Grizzlies are winning, like, six games, like... I mean, like, literally all those teams like have to be historically bad. Right. It's not going to be that bad. Right. So someone or someones are going to have to take those middle-of-the-road Western Conference playoff seeds. So knowing this team, knowing they don't have the superstar power, but they have stars or really good young guys, probably the three through six is where to project them. I doubt they're a seven, eight, but... I, I mean, not, it could happen. It could, but you know, just in terms of seating, that that goes a lot into regular season success, right. right? And I again, good regular season team for sure, as maybe so much to get them to like a three or four. But that doesn't, to me, mean they're getting out of the first round, because if you draw Lakers, if you draw for some reason Utah or Houston in that first round, well. Houston's team that balanced them at in the four five matchup this past season. I think it was like four one. No, it was uh Was it not? They
1: played uh Portland in the second round and got bounced by Portland.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. Because they, they had did. the three over that's time. That's right, they did. My bad on that. So it anyway, I I know who I'm thinking of. But so it's like okay, I'm thinking of Utah, which I I got some stuff to say about them later. So okay, so so Denver you you had that success, but again, I just don't know if the playoff success is going to be there. Mm. Um, but doesn't mean you can't get a really good seed. Maybe win 50 games, but it, it's just about expectations. Right. So then big, big overarching ideas here. Are, do you think they're just a regular season team? Or is this like a second-round Western Conference Finals type of team? You know,
1: they played... <clears throat> I don't know if we really got a good measure of them in the playoffs this past year mm. because they kind of played with the standings there toward the end yeah. and got the matchup they wanted. Y- smart. Which is smart. Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that as much this year um, because they play- who they play in the first round? I'm drawing a blank on this. Uh, they had to go
0: through trying to look here it San antonio
1: san antonio that's right sorry, that's seven and it was games like a, yeah a seven game series against a san antonio team that maybe didn't belong on the floor with denver as much as they should have san antonio is a tough team but i think denver had more talent throughout that series and they probably should have handled their business a little bit better yeah. than they did um i think it's going to be telling if jamal murray can take a step this year Mm-hmm. um jokic did this past season and i think everyone's going to be looking to jamal murray to see how this dude can take a step um uh, tory craig was playing big minutes for them last year yeah. in the playoffs um and i that could be take that as you will it could be concerning it could be good could be tory craig could develop into a defensive guy for them um but i i think everyone's going to be looking at Jamal Murray, not even on a Denver perspective, but on a league-wide perspective.
0: Yeah. I, he rose his scoring last year up to 18.2 yeah. points per game. It's, I mean, he was shooting 37% almost from three. It's a good so, clip. Yeah, it's it's a good number. He's a mid-80s to low-90s free throw shooter throughout his three years in the NBA. It, And even so, like last year... He elevated his assist to four point eight assists per game, so like, he's starting to take those steps in terms of like legit maturation from year to year to year, which like that is definitely encouraging. But then that that's the next big point we have written down here is what's what's next though. Are the stats gonna kind of level off, but he's more effective? Are are he is he going to just keep doing like these randomly big games and? I sometimes just stuff the stat sheet and it almost feels a touch empty at times. Right. I, I hope it, I would rather him be more effective and not need to take more than 15 and a half shots a game, which is where he was at. I think that's what I ideally want for Jamal Murray. Cause there is a lot of talent on this team. Yes. There's not really a need for him to be taking 20 shots a game or even score 25 points a game. Yeah. Um, uh, and I think something
1: like you kind of hit it there is consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, this dude, and early on in that San Antonio series, was talked about getting benched for Monte yeah. Morris or yeah. uh, Malik Beasley. Um, and it took him what till game three when he had that twelve point fourth quarter, and a lot of that came toward the end of the game where he kind of took over the game and hit some big shots there at the end, and finally hit a dagger. You just wanna see that consistency game in and game out. You don't wanna see him scoring four points one game and then having a thirty point performance the next. You would like to see that at least land between twenty five and fifteen points game, depending on yeah. how much this team needs scoring, because there's a lot of talented scorers on here and Michael Porter Jr.,
0: it could be one of them. And you're yeah. really high on him. I I want to be yeah. so badly, you know, just cause I mean, when you watch him play basketball it looks so good he's really fluid but it's actually a matter of getting onto the court and you know maybe that's like the swing piece for them because again they don't have that star yet and i think gary harris has kind of come into what he is which is the just the most prototypical three and d young guy in the league like he's gonna hit hit shots play in transition play just awesome defense on and off the ball and if you needed a playmate, he can do it in like very small moments. But he's not doing it, you know, when the game's on the line. That's that's Jamal Murray's role. Okay, Will Barton, we kinda know what he is. He's more of a sixth man than anything, but you're fine with him as like a fifth starter, too. Yeah. If between those guys, if you can figure out a Harris, Barton, Porter rotation, Porter's limited to the three, but Harris and Barton can kind of play the two, whichever you're, you're needing at the time. If Porter Jr. can step into that role and be, like, this creator, for like, this self-creator who can just, like, easily score 20 points a game, because, like, if he's on the court and able, he can do that. Like, he right. is such a talented guy. Then this team, like, is one of those top three teams, like, for sure in the West to me. But if he's... Still, just going to need like a, basically a rookie year, or he just kind of figures out the NBA, and that just means they're not ready yet. And yep. maybe that's okay because Paul Millsap's going to expire after this year, and Porter Jr., he's a 3 4, not a 2 3. So maybe it's fine that he needs a year or so to get his feet wet in the NBA. But if he can do it this year, then that's what takes the Nuggets team to a different level, like in the snap of a finger, you know?
1: Yeah. And I think, like, the trading for Jeremy Grant is a telling sign of what they plan to do with Paul Millsap this season. And that's not to bring him back. Because, no. like, you can play Jeremy Grant easily as you're starting four and feel really good about it. He was almost like a 40% three-point three shooter for the Thunder mm-hmm. this past season. Can spread the floor. And if Porter Jr., you're absolutely right. If he develops this season into a scoring machine that can come off the bench, this team could yeah. be... I mean, this could be
0: a quick, quick ascension. This could be a Western Conference or better team And you've got Murray locked up. You've got Jokic locked up. You still have a couple more. You've got this year and I think two more years on the Porter deal before you have to pay him. Like, you have time and, like, the young guys to really make this last. Right. So this team is built for success relatively now, but more so in the future. I just... I I need Porter Junior to get on a basketball court and just we got to figure out what he is right because of course all the practice videos look great but <laughs> as like, we know that's not that's not the actual game that's bas- not basketball basketball versus a chair
1: wins not the same thing uh um, just one last point here about Michael Porter Junior I mean you're right. top three talent and drafted 14 overall
0: yeah and like if you hit on that like this is a championship yeah, caliber it is. team uh. Just just for a little security, I would love for them to go get, like, another backup point guard type. Yeah. But, you know, that's not really going to swing things, but it'd be nice to have. Um, just knowing, like, this, when you get to the playoffs, like, you just might need a competent hand. And Monte Morris has proven that. I would love to see them go get, like, one more guy. Like at, a veteran like, backup? A guard, yeah. Whether that's, like sean livingston yeah or you know it's someone that you don't need to play that much but just in moments can come in there and kind of handle business for a little bit so that that's our denver takes so let's move on team that didn't make the playoffs last year kind of in a they're in a semi-similar spot but things did not progress for them the same way it did for denver and that's minnesota because it's all right you got kat and Jokic. i mean they're close at least but then like the wiggins murray thing i know they're different positions but the the second for them yeah yeah, like the hopes for them as like being like that next guy is just very different spots right now so minnesota last year was 36 and 46 like i said they missed the playoffs but luckily they finessed phoenix (laughs) in the draft um Got just a steal. Uh, Moving up to the 6, right? Yeah, moved up from 11 to 6, and that was part of the Cam Johnson thing too. And then in, in that, they were able to get a guy that I think is going to start for them, and that's Jarrett Culver. Um, so great move there. The rest of the starters for this team will be Jeff Teague and Culver in the backcourt, and then your front is going to be something like Andrew Wiggins, Robert Covington, and then Carl Anthony Towns. That's a really strong starting lineup.
1: That it's, could be it's not
0: top 5 in the west, but that's a good lineup. That could be scary defensively. Yeah. Like super switchable, super long. I'll and say cuz Culver will play defense, Covington will play defense. If you can get Wiggins to play defense consistently, like man, that wing defense is that you're right. That's like a real intimidating thing of this team then. Super switchable.
1: Like that's the thing that's mm-hmm. great about this is like you feel like Robert Covington can cover anything up to maybe even a point guard, like your yeah. best player, whoever that is, and that's
0: awesome. It I mean, you, you
1: can't really get replicate that much. Yeah,
0: and I think the, that spacing really opens up then too if Covington's playing the four right. for your team. That's what I want to happen. Will it happen? I'm not sure, but that's what I want. Their backups, it's a shakier situation. Your backup <sighs> point guards, I mean, once you get to these type of teams, like this is usually where it starts to fall off. So, the backup point guards are Shabazz Napier and Tyrone, John- or Tyrone Wallace. Backup two guards are going to be their first-round draft pick from last year. Josh Akoji, Travion Graham. Small forward would be Jake Lehman and Keita B- bates Jop. Backup power forwards would be no- Noah Vonley and Nas Reed. And backup centers, Gorgi Jang, still getting that bag. And Jordan <laughs> Bell. So... That's a, I mean, from one to 15, it's a good roster. Yeah. It's, it's very clearly top heavy because all those backups, you're like, I really like them as like Individual. My, eighth, my eighth or ninth guy yeah. off the bench, or, you know, my eighth or ninth guy in my rotation. And it's like, no, that's your six, seven, eight. And you're like, yeah, yeah okay. Um, but if you feel real about starting lineup, you can kind of figure out how to balance those rosters and, and play that up. So projections outlook for this team. I think they're probably going to miss the playoffs again, right? Probably. Yeah. They're going to be, I mean, like if they do, it's going to be the eight. Yeah. If they would do get in. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm assuming though, I would, I would take everyone else or not everyone else, but the field to get that seven, eight spot instead of Minnesota. But I don't think that's really what their even goal should be for this year. To be honest, I think their focus needs to just purely be on player development and, like team camaraderie culture whatever phrase you want to throw out there that's where you need to be looking if you're this team like because you got cat locked up whether you want him or not you've got wiggins <laughs> locked up right you got covington for a little bit longer you got culver now for the next four years you still have a koji for a few years like you've got some things here yes the point guard situation long term needs to be figured out but okay you you get to that when you get to that it was didn't happen this free agency you you tried you wanted d'angelo russell it didn't work so this team like i think it needs to be how can we maximize carl anthony towns just into the like hook line sinker that's all it is how how are these guys gonna make or fit with him because if this franchise is going anywhere it's on his shoulders yeah and
1: like that, that's the thing. Is like they when Ryan Saunders kind of took over there in Minnesota, um, Cat was their centerpiece. Like they finally started putting the ball yeah. in his hands more, which is crazy to say to put the ball in the best player's hands. But finally took some sense and we started doing that. I think like this this team is going to hinge on what Andrew Wiggins does this season. And from everything Ryan Saunders has been on the podcast. Yeah, the circuit. Circuit. And, like, all he's talked about is, like, we've talked about it with him. Like, he's putting in the work this offseason. Like, he's got to stop taking these ugly twos. Got to take where we've talked about what's best value for the shot. Like, where are you shooting? Let's be smart. Yeah. But, like, all of that's nice
0: when you say it on a podcast, but does it actually happen on the basketball floor? And then how do you hold him accountable if he just keeps doing it anyway? Yeah, because, like, we've seen, like, then tweet out not the Timberwolves account directly or Saunders directly, but he when he goes on a podcast, Saunders he'll like bring like the shot chart that shows yep. like long twos they're like worth like less than point eight points per possession. Okay, that he's still taking the shot, though. Yeah, like he just is. He you can see it, you can show it, you can talk about it, like you said, and that's that's for me like gonna be really interesting. He's kind of like that swing state. Is is he gonna elevate them up to actually fighting for that eight seed? Or are they just gonna be like that 10, 11 type of team that's just really pesky and it's like, it's annoying to play them. The Thunder have experienced that for the last three years. They just lose to them all the time. But like, they're not really a threat to you. I, I feel like that's where they're still gonna be at. But this is like a year to like build towards that seven, eight next year. Like that's realistically what I want from them. You you brought up uh, how Ryan Saunders was like we're gonna give the ball to Carl Anthony Towns, hit three point attempts elevated this year. Actually, they'd gone stagnant in his sophomore and junior years in the NBA, he was three and a half both of those years. He rose up to four and a half. Thank you this year, shooting 40%. <laughs> Thank you on them. Um, so I I want to see more of that. He's still like rebounding though too. Like he's st- he averaged 12 rebounds a game. This past year, his assist went up from two and a half last season to three and a half. It's like, man, this dude, when you give him the ball, good things happen. It's crazy, right? So it's why you drafted him number <laughs> one overall. <laughs> so it blows my mind um, sometimes what teams do. And I know Ryan Saunders wasn't necessarily there for, for all of this, but right. you know he's, he's here now. And that's why it's, there's, there's hopeful... Like outlooks for this team, but if you're looking for playoffs this year, I think that's that's where you get a little unrealistic um, from this this particular group. And that's not a knock on management. I really think since they've turned some some guys over in this organization, like they've done obviously well. Like we talked about the draft, how that went well. I think free agency, you couldn't get D'Angelo Russell, but that wasn't necessarily in your control. You didn't panic. Yeah, and like just give up too much or trade right. Jared Culver or something just ridiculous like that. You just, you went and found guys like Jordan bell getting him on a minimum contract. You're like, okay. Nice then, bouncy dude yeah. off the bench. And Noah Von lane free agency that he had a sneaky good year, but he was playing on a bad team. You're like, as a backup big, it's a good move. Jake Lehman from Portland. Dude was like starting like 50 games for them last yeah. year. Like he was a useful player go and get him nice move you got shabazz napier and trayvon graham um he was a they were both a part of that d'angelo russell to golden state but golden state couldn't keep them because of money and so minnesota just took them in for nothing it's like nice little moves yeah do any of these guys really swing the pendulum for you no but they give you good depth and again mostly youngish guys to figure out is there something here like we can capitalize on in a smart financial move next year or the year after that Like, that's just, like, how you build a good team. It's kind of like what the Nets did or the Clippers have been doing over the last few years. And, yeah, this is Minnesota, not Brooklyn or L.A., but you can get, like, those secondary stars to be like, you're a well-run franchise. I like the young, great player you have already. Let's do this. Like, that's just how you have to go about it if you're Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, they almost hadn't.
1: I mean, like like you said, they almost had D'Angelo Russell. He wanted, it sounded like he wanted yeah. to come to Minnesota, but he's restricted for agents, so he really didn't have yeah. a, a ton of free a, a, or agency in that decision. Um, I think it's going to be like, this team, it, like, I think it can hit the playoffs, but Wiggins really has to have that type of season where it's like, okay, this dude's like clearly the most improved player. Like, yeah. this dude is everywhere on defense. He can start, he's starting to hit shots he's mm-hmm. starting to play make we've seen flashes with it with oh, wiggins yeah. and towns is like everyone like it seems so far removed but three years ago
0: they went to golden state and beat that 73 one yeah. team yeah i mean he's averaged like close to 25 points a game like he's shown a capacity like to still even though any like without a three-point shot get buckets yeah it's just you don't have to be like just running at the rim And then take a bad pull-up all the time. (laughs) It's just like figuring out how to take your shots in certain situations, play off of Carl Anthony Towns, not kind of just collide with him in the lane. Right. It's, it's, again, easier said than done, but it's still a realistic possibility for this team to to figure it out with those two. And you've invested a lot of money into them, so you got to try it. Yeah, unless you feel like...
1: I mean, like halfway into the season, you're just like, okay, this is clear. is isn't going to work. Yeah. Let's get him out of here. Um, and that might happen. Jake you Layman could. could be the starting small forward. How great would
0: that be? I, now, I think it's time, Ryan. The sound of <sighs> yeah, The tiniest of islands. We're going to move on to Oklahoma City. Which, aside, why are they in the Northwest Division?
1: The, it's a great question. Because I'm not great at geography. <laughs> not, not a genius.
0: But I don't think Oklahoma City in the Pacific Northwest. They just said Northwest, so it's in Northwest Oklahoma, I guess. It's um, not even that! <laughs> well, the most it, central... It depends on how, what, what angle you look at the map at from. <laughs> sure. If Adam Silver's looking at it upside down with one eye closed, right, yeah. There we go. Um, I know it's because I moved from Seattle, but still, fix this. <laughs> um, last season, Oklahoma City went 49-33. I uh, had a first round playoff exit, shout out Dame, um, and the Wave. This team looks very different from last year, though. For better or for worse. Probably for worse. <laughs> uh, so the starting projected lineup and is going to be Chris Paul, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Andre Robertson, who Presti said today, he's supposed to be ready by the start of training camp. I'll looks see good. it when I believe All it. All right, yeah. <laughs> Danilo Gallinari and Steven Adams. The backups, Dennis Schroeder, Hamadou Diallo, Terrence Ferguson, Pat Pat, and Nerlens Noel. And then your end of the bench guys would be Abdul Nader. First round pick, Darius Baisley. Oh, the New Balance intern, Deontay Burton, and Mike Muscala. So.
1: I'll take over I, the projections yeah, outlook this is, for this. This. Is, where,
0: this is this is your team, so. I'll <laughs> we'll let you figure this out. All right, so.
1: I think the projections outlook for this team currently would be essentially flipping the record from last year, like a 33, <laughs> 33 and 49 team, 30-ish win team uh, that probably bottoms out post all-star break because they'll probably fire sell a lot of these guys uh, yeah. after that. Um, I think my like outlook for them would be be competitive, but lose just a whole bunch yeah, of games and get a lottery, lottery, lottery pick. I forget which team did this the best last year, but just replicate
0: that. Dallas? Yeah, probably. Dallas was pretty good because, yeah, they were like fighting for an eight for a, a good portion of the year. And then they're they like the lost 20 games. So they're like, nah. Yeah, we don't really need this. But their pick ended up going to Atlanta. That's right. Um, but it's still, it
1: would have been a top 10 pick. Yeah, it would have been a 10 pick. Um, and just hope the water, the ping
0: pong balls land, go. F- Go your way, which they can yeah. New orleans they didn't I don't know if they really wanted to Anthony Davis made them do it, but I mean it worked out they were the seven spot yeah and I mean it's not usually going to work out that well, I assume, but you know swiped up to the number one I, I mean
1: anything can happen, and this rebuild could be really quick. I think my biggest what to watch for who to watch for um, would be- kind of like Minnesota development of your young guys like sga diallo Diallo, ferguson i'll throw Basley in there i don't i don't really have high hopes for that guy but you know because again basketball games basketball not interning for adidas him and i were doing the same thing oh sorry 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 apologize fun guy Uh, (laughs) (laughs) maybe he came up with that nickname and
0: secretly, just like started leaking it.
1: Man, if he needed, if he did that, he needed to stay at New Balance. I know. Forget great. basketball. You need to be a marketing dude. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think really you want to focus in on SGA, um, maybe Ferguson. I don't know about Diallo. What we'll get from Diallo, but I think the big questions that surround this team are: Can you trade CP3 and Gallinari mid-season, or even? 12 games in whenever whenever it is can you trade these guys and does billy donovan want to be around for the rebuild i think those are the next two questions you have to kind of figure out um presty today he had a press conference today that we're recording um and it sounds like guys are still going to be moving around he he essentially said i don't believe we're done we've started the rebuilding process yet yeah i think indicating that Maybe like Andre Roberson or even the Stephen Adams could be on the way out the door. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think it w- we've talked about the CP3 thing off air quite a bit? And it, it's tough to find a trade destination. You'd think Gallinari is probably like yeah. the better
0: trade piece at this point. I uh, yeah just because he's done the year like he's done at the end of this season yeah it's for a more reasonable number than Chris Paul it's easier to make that money work especially considering most teams blew all their cap space this offseason to like take a player into so you have to actually salary match within a reasonable idea here so yes that that's part of it with CP3 I think you're right in like the Brad Beale line of thinking like you we all know, like, whereas the Brad Beal thing, like, it hasn't officially happened yet, where it's like he he's turning us away. The CP3, like, he he doesn't want to be there. I don't care what his Instagram post says. It took like two weeks for him yeah. to post that, and that tells you everything yeah. you need to know about so, that. So it's like he was just holding out. He's like, "Are you sure I'm going to Oklahoma City? <laughs> Are you sure?" Um, so I mean, he's he's playing with one foot out the door. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's gonna be professional as much as he can. But we we know he's not fully there. He doesn't want. I mean, no. like he doesn't want to play in a situation where he can't win. Yeah. This late into his career. So in it's one of those like, what's the leverage for Oklahoma City right now? Maybe it's okay, but it's not great either. So you play a little bit. You wait for a team to falter more than they expect for themselves because everyone thinks they're going to be twelve and zero to start the year, <laughs> right? And so you just find that team that like says, you know, we do need. A point guard like now and there's a few other teams that are faltering we need to one lap them and two do it with chris paul so i think that's a realistic still possibility for this team so and i i've even mentioned it before like at the very worst do the anthony davis thing i because for me i really don't care i'm not a thunder fan yeah play him 20 minutes a game don't let him play the fourth quarter Make him look really cool when he's in the <laughs> game, right? And then you lose. Yeah. And then you're like, ah, oh, man, we're so close. We we're so close. We're competitive, but we gotta build these young guys up. That's why we're not playing Chris Paul. Stuff like that. Like, however, you need to spend that to to make it work here in Oklahoma. But that's that's kind of where I'm at too. Is this? He's not longed for OKC, so why prolong it when you can probably mid season get what's going to be top value or close top value for him and figure out like if you because the sooner you do it the sooner you figure out like what you're getting back and how you can use it to build your team like what you're getting back for gallinari what you're getting back for cp3 now like it helps you if you know like what those moves are getting you back in conjuncture not just gallinari now cp3 eventually will get us something like you don't you don't know how those are going to like mesh together even if they're draft picks right you don't know how they're going to mesh together in terms of timeline for you well the nice thing about that i don't think because
1: presti got so many draft assets from dealing paul george and russell westbrook which is kind of crazy to say mm-hmm. you know you're not really pressured into getting much for cp3 like yeah. anything would be nice like even if it's just a pick or even mm-hmm. um you know maybe a a swap or something like that.
0: Presti seems to be nuts about these swaps. I know. Uh, But I I don't know. Or, you know, kind of being that same situation like Atlanta was in, where it's like you go get like that third pick and like a certain year's draft that you think you're going to like. So that way you can package two of them to move up and still have like one higher or, or one other first round pick also. So it's like if you just swung and missed on that one it's okay because you had another one right either earlier in the draft or a little bit further down that was a safer pick or something like that like it, you might start getting a little strategic with like just how many you can build up in certain year drafts that you feel really good about so there's there's some still draft pick moves if Sam Presti wants it to be like he can make them that but you're right there's not a ton of guys on this roster like, like he's here long term I, I would say Shea Shea's the dude and uh, speaking of him really
1: quick the Ringer, I don't know if you saw this, put out an article about him. I think John I haven't got Parks to read it yet. Wrote it. Um, and I guess SGGA retweeted it. So hey. <laughs> that's everything to me. It's like this dude's ready to be maybe possibly
0: a face of a franchise. And right now he is. I mean, yeah. He, he's their building block. Like he is that foundational piece. Outside of him, and I mean, I guess Baisley and Ferguson, since you just drafted them in the first rounds, like. Ferguson showed like a spurt there where he, he could did. have been a competent starter. Um, like that could be a, if everything breaks right, a one, two, three, like that's good. That's yeah. that's long. That's athletic. It's everything Sam Presti loves. But <laughs> Bouncy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like that's that's fun. That's, yeah. that's something to build. But it's not a lot of wins right now. Right. It, or next year, or probably the the year after that. And that's okay i think is it okay i mean it's okay for me i know what to expect from this okay. team. like
1: i said i i have them 30-ish wins i think chris paul accidentally gets you a couple more than you probably want um but like i would ideally high 20s low 30s yeah and just roll with it i don't know i might be a little bullish about that what do you what do you think this projection for the thunder team is do you think it's a 31 team do you think it's less
0: i think was it uh one of the online betting that is 27 at. and a half I 27 think. and a half i saw one at 32 and a half so it's it's right in that range um you're right it, if chris Paul's there through the trade deadline you're honestly probably higher to that 30 32 number but if he's gone early like how jimmy was gone early last year then you're more in that 25 to 27 range because, yep. again, Chris Paul is going to mess around and accidentally get you five wins yeah. that you didn't really want. Right. So you're right on. You're right on. If you told me 30 with plus three, like minus three, yike, it'd that's be tough. It. To, yeah, that's that's the range right there. That's it. That's the sweet spot. I mean, yeah, you're pretty spot on with that. And my question about
1: Billy Donovan, I mean, if it were me, I don't think I want to be a part of this. Right? Because you were originally brought on in 2016. Yeah to coach Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. Now that's long gone. I think he could probably find a college program that's wanting to.
0: So like, if, if this is turns into a, look, we're going to have young guys and we're a build for the future team. I don't think Billy Donovan is super turned off by that because it's going to kind of feel like a college program. Yeah. (laughs) Like on some level. But if he, if his NBA goal is to be a, a part of a, playoff team then then yeah he's gone or if they say like look we're we're a purely development team right now and he's like i'd rather go back to college if i'm gonna do that then okay it's i don't know what he wants i don't feel like anyone knows what he wants because he doesn't say anything uh <laughs> part of his problem so <laughs> Yeah, who knows? He just walks out one day. They don't fire him. He just leaves. He's just like, I'm going back to Florida. You can keep that last half a million. I'm gone. I'll get that from Florida. From the boosters. Under the table. Over the table. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anymore. All right. So I think we've had enough of Oklahoma City. Let's get to Portland. Uh, Another darling from from this past year. And we, we shouted out Dame. We'll just shout them out one more time, just because. Uh, Portland went 53-29 and 29 last year. Worked it through the first round. Okay, see. Got through the second round <laughs> but with bye. Denver. Uh, eventually, you come to Western Conference Finals, and you, and you have to play the Warriors. And it it didn't go well, but... They had leads in three of the yeah, four games. I mean, they got swept, but as easy as they got swept, like, you're right, it could have been 2-2. yeah. Also, so there's that. Obviously, I remember us talking about it, like, watching those games. Like, Dame was tired. Yeah. CJ was tired. Like, they just were. And Nurkic was out by that point. And you can only rely on Rodney Hood so much. (laughs) So there were were some issues there. Um, But overall, I'd say last season was a success for this team. Especially between the regular season record and then the postseason success. Says a good year. Their starting lineup, though, it is going to get a tweak part of because of free agency, also because of the nur- the Nurkic injury. So starters are going to be Dame and CJ, as always. Rodney Hood. I think they're going to play Zach Collins at the 4. He's shown some versatility. So Zach Collins at the 4. And then I guess they have to play Hassan Whiteside at the 5. Um, to start. I, yeah. yeah. At, at least to begin the year. And it's it, part of it's just roster. But... You know, you only have so many options. All right, and then backups—they have an interesting group. I wouldn't say it's a bad group, but it's let's let's use the word interesting here. <laughs> so last year's first-round draft pick, Anthony Simons, who tore up summer league. Yeah. So you see some hope there. Kent Bazemore, who you got from Atlanta, you got off of Evan Turner. Maybe the best move of free agency, just because it's not Evan Turner on your team anymore. You get a plus in Kent yeah. Bazemore. So Kent Bazemore like that move? You have your first round pick from this year in Sear Littles. I'm saying it was going to be the backup three. You have Anthony Tolliver. That's a nice minimum move on free agency. And then just recently announced you went and picked up Pau Gasol. So I don't know there, but there's, there's something. Um, and then the, the end of the bench, guys, would be Gary Trent Jr. They brought in Mario Hazonia. They have Labissier, who they acquired uh, towards the end of last year. And then obviously Yusuf Nurkic as well. And obviously once he starts, he'll move back into that starter role. Whiteside will get bumped to the backup. And Gasol or Labissier, whoever you have as that second center for now, will just go to the end of the bench, which is fine, you know. So that's kind of the outlook at this point. We're not sure about Nurkic's return. I mean, you can't break your leg like that and then rush back. We've seen it. Like, you just can't do it. It's going to take some time for him to get right. And. You know, I'm sure on some old Dame and CJ are like, we'll, we'll just carry this team to the playoffs again. Cause <laughs> they always do. They always find a way to do it. So projections outlook for this team, I'd say it's pretty similar to Denver. Good, They're probably going to be a good regular season team. Playoffs, you know, okay, eh, maybe. You know, like we said, Dame and CJ will find a way to get there. I said Denver was 3-6. to six. I'm feeling more 4-7 to seven for Portland. Yeah. It's because that injury to start the year. It's, it's just tough to work through that at the beginning of the year. It, it just is. Um, if they had him in there, I would be more comfortable to say the three to five spots.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's what they were this past season was the three. Mm-hmm. Um, they were the three the year before, mm-hmm. too. Um, that seems to be... Just their, their sweet spot. Their sweet spot. Um, man, if they can get to the three again this year, I think that says everything about Damon.
0: CJ. That's incredible. With this team, with the injuries they have, that'd be nuts.
1: Yeah. Um, what are you watching for this? I mean, like,
0: I mean, obviously Damon CJ, but I'll say yeah. Putting the super obvious aside, my first thing, just like looking at this roster, what in the world is this front court? <laughs> like, what is this going to be? Because we've seen over the course of his career, we've seen the very good and the very bad of Rodney Hood. Yeah. Like we saw it end pretty abruptly in Utah. Like they were just like, we can't do this anymore. We saw that what year or so in cleveland two yeah like it that didn't rough. look good that was not good and then last year for portland he was just kind of like a nice like young guy to have on the team and then in the playoffs like he started going nuts and it was putting in like 20 points a game yeah uh in, in moments for them and it was like it's game seven why is runny, runny hood the one taking this jump <laughs> shot with three seconds left on the shot clock he was making it though yeah like he, he couldn't stop him so that's that's part of this is if if he's good, then all of a sudden this front court looks a whole lot better. But if if he's inconsistent, then all of a sudden you've got two borderline centers starting with Zach Collins and Hassan Whiteside. You have to deal with Hassan Whiteside and, and potentially whatever comes with that. And then in this backup, like it's a good group, but I don't know if it helps you in the way you really need help for this team because yeah. you need like that third score and if it's not Rodney Hood I don't I'm looking at this roster I don't know who that third score is <laughs> until Nurkic gets back
1: yeah he would have been your dude there and you would felt good about it because he was so good in the it pick and roll so much better Um, and like that injury could significantly change the direction of this um, team and its future because who knows if he comes back the same way he was yeah. hopefully he does but we don't know. I think it'll be interesting. It feels like we have like an MVP type of caliber season from Dame coming up. But. Yeah.
0: I was thinking that too. It's just like this is like the perfect time to be like, I'm carrying nobody. Everyone knows my name though. He He's had a few iconic moments. Yeah. And he'll have his MVP moments again this year. But it's what you referenced back to earlier. If he can get this team to the three – that to me, like, that's enough to be in the top four MVP conversation alone, just because this team right now is not ready to be in the top half of the West. Yeah.
1: They're, I mean, they're not like Damon CJ. We've been wondering if this team can work, and it did for them this past season. They had some breaks go their way. It's going to be interesting. The level play, playing field has been leveled for everyone, so yeah. we'll really
0: get a good good look at this team and see if what they're made of this season you do have to wonder though like how tired dame and cj will be come playoff time oh if they're having to carry carry this team again we saw it like at the end of their playoff run but if they're like that getting into the first round or midway through the first round it's the same criticism james harden's got for the last few years and although deservedly so it's because he's having to do it everything in the regular season just to get them into a good playoff spot right so you do wonder about that and there's not too much to talk about just because it's just a thought at this point yeah obviously those guys are used to running off screen they're used to being on the court what it feels like all the time so maybe they're just used to it by now but also they're in their upper 20s those guys are a little bit older because they played multiple college years you do wonder like they're not 26 they're yeah. not they're not that age anymore so you do have to wonder about that. Last thing for them before we move on to, to Utah is can can the youngins, Zach <laughs> Collins, Rodney Hood, who we, we brought up, and even their their last couple first-round picks, Nasir Little and Anthony Simons, can they take a legit step? So for Hood, that would be like just consistent. We yep. mentioned that. Just a consistent 15, 16-point-per-game score who gets six rebounds and three assists just consistently good if he's that i'd say that's a success zach collins will you quit fouling out in the (laughs) third quarter like tough just tough as nails great guy to have on your team yeah but this team needs him on the court like they can't afford him being 20 minutes a game I feel like he fouled out in one of their playoff games where he was just, like, balling out. He was, And yeah. it may have been a Warriors game, but where it was like, ooh, this really hurts. This yeah. stings. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, we've seen some really good moments the last couple years from him. It's just you got to be able to stay on the court. On some level, like, you got to learn the lesson of, like, when not to foul. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's the same lesson a lot of bigs have to learn um, in their first two or three years. But, all right, you've been here for a couple years now learn the lesson yeah so that's that's a big thing for him Nasir Little like can he just compete on a basketball court in an NBA and again not chuck up shots that he shouldn't it's kind of that same Rodney Hood thing like semi-efficient if that I think that's realistic for Nasir Little can he be semi-efficient from the perimeter and really be like that defender his body is built to be and then Anthony Simons can you hit threes in an NBA game he looked great in summer league he was a summer league darling but can you do it at the nba level and then for 15 minutes a game because if he can be the backup point guard at 15 minutes a game that means the dame's playing the other 33 that's fine if he can be that i think you really have something there but if not I, i'm not sure what this team's doing in terms of creators yeah it'd be tough if i mean like nasir little showed it
1: in spurts there toward the end of his tenure at UNC, yeah, where in the tournament where he was able to get
0: out on breaks and kind of handle the ball. Do you think he could play four at all? He's six seven. I think he should. I uh, think honestly, he's a he's a if he's if his primary is a three, he's better to he should slide down to the four, not up to the two. Yeah, like that. It's to me, it's the way his body's built. He's super long, a like seven one wingspan. He looks jacked already. Yeah, like he is the just stereotypical. current nba small ball four it feels like almost like a justice winslow it does and it's just like dude's gonna take a minute to develop it is and maybe you get him on that really nice second contract and then you have a great value Mm -hmm. there same thing with winslow though it was dependent on the jump shot yeah they're not the exact same players just throw that out there but the the idea of it's gonna take this guy probably a couple years is correct like it is but he's not gonna get better just sitting on the bench yeah. If not. You gotta if you want to split his minutes with Mario Hazonia a little bit, I'm fine with that. But, you know, if your small forward position is mostly Rodney Hood, Nasir Little, Mario Hazonia, maybe you play Baysmore a little bit there also. You can you can make that work. You definitely can, but it's it's not something I feel great about. Yeah. It feels like the loss of Seth Curry feels really big for this yeah, team. it does. And that says everything about their guard depth. <laughs> yeah, it does. Real bad. Again, just creators. Guys who can get their own shot or, yeah. or figure out a way to run around screens and warp the defense in a different way. Stretch the defense, yeah. yeah. That's a That's a big deal. Last team in this division. Again, this division's just brutal here. It's Utah. So, we, just think about this. We've talked about Denver, who's a top two seed last year. 51 team. Yeah. Minnesota was like a, they weren't a playoff team, but like they were a pain in the butt right. to play. Oklahoma City, obviously, they're going to look a lot different, but they're probably going to be at least a pain in the butt team yeah. this year. Portland's going to be maybe a top half of the West, but a playoff team. Another then, 51 team. And then Utah coming in here, and everyone's like just in love with Utah because of the moves they've made. And, and it's not that I totally disagree, but. Again, they're probably a close to fifty win team also. Yeah. Again, we talked about it before. Not everyone can win fifty plus games, right? But I mean they're gonna try. <laughs> Last year, Utah did win fifty games, they went fifty and thirty two. They got bounced by Houston in the first round. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Um earlier. And it was kind of the signal like we need we need a to take change step. Yeah. Back to back years bounced and by Houston. Not and in the first round, but makes to, sense, yeah. but so man, this starting lineup is a force. Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Boyan Bogdanovich. I think Royce is actually gonna start at the four. I he, like that. He just he's such a Quinn Snyder guy. Yeah. You know, and Versatile defender. And once you really start looking at their depth, you only have so many guys who who can really be ten plus minute a game NBA players on this roster. So Moving him into the starting lineup this season, one, I think it's a confidence thing yeah. um, for him. But also, too, like it kind of helps balance out your depth a little bit. So, again, Royce O'Neal at the four and Rudy Gobert at the five. So, man, that's just a steady, just consistent Quinn Snyder, Utah Jazz type lineup. Like, it's that's like, just the epitome of it. They're, like, taking the angle of don't play guys who suck. They are, and except these guys are, like, better than Pat Beverly. They're right. better than Landry Shamit. It's like the step up of that Clippers team from last year. Now, their depth, though, like I mentioned, it is actually kind of concerning. And especially the guard position. So, Mm -hmm. their guard position, really all they have signed right now um, for the backup guard positions are Dante Exum, who they still really believe in him, but got to get on the basketball court. Yeah. Got to be there for more than 40 games. (laughs) Emmanuel Moutier they brought in, who didn't have a terrible year last year, but it's... Is it a empty stats type of thing? Or is it like, no, that was real development. And then their second round pick, Mie One, um from Yale. Is it a shooter? Honestly, I can, I'm cool with him playing like five plus minutes a game, but it's not replacing Kyle Korver. Yeah. you know. So you do have that dilemma in your backup depth for for the guards. Of course, everyone loves Joe Ingles. He's our guy, Headband Joe. Oh, my gosh. YMCA great. Joe. That's it. Um Jeff Green, who they went out and signed on a minimum, and then uh, George Niang. So you feel okay about those guys, but it's like you, you almost wish like there was one more guy there. Yeah. And they might bring back uh Tabo They haven't yet, but but they could, I guess. And that'd fill it out and be like, Oh, alright, I guess that works. And then Rudy Gobert, Ed Davis, Tony Bradley. Or really like that Ed Davis deal they got done this off season, and Tony Bradley looked good at summer league like he looked like you know it no he shouldn't be in salt lake or uh on the g league team anymore he needs to be elevated up yeah um so that's that's promising that's good the guard depth is very concerning but okay projections outlook for this team so we keep i like with all these teams we keep getting into are they just a great regular season team who might be able to push for the two seed if everything goes right But, you know, that first-round upset potential, I don't think it's completely gone away.
1: Yeah, I mean, all it takes is, I mean, like,
0: every team in the West is going to be good. Like, that's just it. We talked about it, yeah, a couple episodes ago. It feels like there's seven teams that all feel like they should be a top-three seed. Yeah. That, newsflash, can't (laughs) happen. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, I don't know who's a...
1: Like, if you catch San Antonio... They're not just going to roll over no. like they proved with
0: Denver. They took them to a, the better team to the seven-game series. Like, But do then you, you're going into the second round coming off of a seven-game series. Exhausted when yeah. you should be probably
1: taking, that t- taking care of business realistically in five games. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, like this Utah team, I was high on them last season. I thought mm-hmm. I had them in top three, and they didn't quite hit that. Um, I mean, if Donovan Mitchell keeps keeps making progress like he was um this dude can be something special but it all kind of hinges on him mike conley we'll have to see if he still got has it he's over Mm. 30 now um and if he
0: can be a a a good player on on this team like we know he's gonna be steady he's not gonna turn the ball over you know is he's probably still good for like 16 points a game eight assist and maybe a steal or two actually cuz he's he's really good at that and then just running a team if he you know just running a team out there for 30 33 minutes a game that's really valuable the problem is like who's playing the other point guard minutes yeah cuz he is older like you do have to account for that um so that's something to worry about you're talking about Donovan Mitchell in his 2 years in the NBA first year he actually shot seven three-point attempts per game that's a lot um last year it slight tick back to 6.7 uh, which is it's fine with me his overall shots went up from 17 to 20 from year one to year two so but they need him to take the shots like they just do but this past season he was actually efficient as a three-point shooter he shot 36 percent it didn't always feel like it That that's pretty
1: good yeah i mean it's tough when he was really the only playmaker at times yeah. for this team mike conley hopefully leaves that even bogdanovich joe I mean, ingles like, joe ingles the tricky part i think is going to be balancing because he's donovan mitchell is so good with the ball in his hands mike conley is so good with the ball in yeah. his hands maybe they stagger those and donovan mitchell could effectively Play some pack-up pack point minutes. Um, I mean, we've talked about that before. Is like, just make them point guard. Like, that just, team
0: last year with Rubio, it felt better with Mitchell being like, just give me another shooter yeah. on the court and let me bring the ball up. And, you know, you can say like maybe that's not a, a pretty offense. That doesn't work 82 games during the season. Well, it kind of worked in the playoffs the last yeah. couple years, so... Maybe you just got to run with it and see like, if it can actually materialize over 82, or not even 82 games, 40 games. Somewhere at one point in the season, you just go for it. Maybe it's whenever they start falling to like that 6-7, and they're like, all right, the schedule's only getting harder from here. I don't know what point that is for Quinn Snyder, but you're right. It's not a bad idea for them to start going down that ro- route just at least a little bit more. Because again, he showed an uptick in assists last year, from three point seven to four point two. Like, he's a willing passer, but he's also a forced shooter at times. So yeah, I mean, like your assists are also gonna change
1: when you go from passing to, uh, oh man, Jay Crowder, yes, to Bogdanovich or even Conley or even O'Neal. That team, I mean, like you feel like can be really competitive, but.
0: It's just, like, can they get the bounces to go their way? Yeah, I know. That's that's the tough part. And, you know, they do have, like, a quote-unquote death lineup they can do. It's a it's a Utah version of it, but Conley, Mitchell, Joe Ingles at the three, Slide Bogdanovich down mm-hmm. to the four, Rudy Gobert at the five. Like, again, really strong lineup. <clears throat> you still have Gobert for defense, but pretty much everyone else is a primarily offensive guy, like, they at least have that option this year that they didn't have last year. So, you're right. It gives you hope that like the offensive ceiling, whether it's Mitchell playmaking, him off ball, Conley on ball, off ball, Bogdanovich, you have options now on that side of the court that you just didn't have. Like, although I love Cal Corver, his game is run off, the, like run off screens, hit a three. Jay Crowder, it's standing in the corner. Hit a three. Hopefully hit a three. <laughs> not the side of the backboard. So, you know, it's just... There, there's options now with this team. Royce O'Neal more of a defensive guy, so you can start him. And you still have a strong offensive unit of Conley Mitchell Bogdanovich. You still feel good about that.
1: Yeah. I also wonder, just talking about that, we love getting the ball in Joe Ingles' hands. We just do. Play, play him at backup point and just like slide,
0: I don't know, Jeff Green up to the small forward. I don't know, something crazy. Yeah. I, and maybe that's just it. The The backup point guard is going to be... 10 minutes of Dante Exum when he's available and the other 5 to 10 minutes are going to Joe Ingles yeah. or something like that. Like You really... I, I trust Quinn Snyder to figure out that rotation but I am a little worried it's not going to be there day one. Might be there by game 25 but you know what happens in those first 25 games. Right. And we've seen that before with Utah is that they've started slow. They've
1: done it the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. Start real slow and then all of a sudden January they go...
0: 80% win percentage, yeah. or something like that, to finish out yeah. the season. And again, totally in the cards for them. And just when, when a team consistently does that, it just makes me worry about how to project them. Right. I don't know. What if they just keep that? They start? don't figure it out yeah. ever. Like it just doesn't happen because that, that's real, too. So uh, I think the really only question we have to ask that we haven't hit on yet is this team's going to make the playoffs. It's just, they are. Can this team actually beat a highly talented team in the West? So, like, a team that maybe doesn't have the depth or the coaching that they have, but just talent, Lakers or whomever, can they be actually beat them?
1: That's a good question. This team, more or less, without the super superstar, feels like Toronto last year. Mm-hmm. It's like we had a whole bunch of questions about them. They are a whole bunch of good, acquired, good talent players. Um, of course, this team isn't anything close to Toronto. Don't you hear You don't have Kawhi. Yeah. You don't hear me in saying, like, this is going to be the next NBA championship champion. They're probably not. But it just feels like they have an assembly of a whole bunch of good guys. That's going to get you a whole bunch of one in yeah. the regular season. What does that mean in the playoffs? Like, when you come against the Clippers? Okay, like, even in the first round. Right. Uh, I think this team probably has a first or second round exit in the playoffs. If I had to guess right now, if I had to bet on it, it would probably be a first round exit.
0: Yeah, and and it's one of those, I feel like when the Conley trade happened, like a bunch of people jumped on the Utah bandwagon and not totally like way off in left field doing that. Like I kind of understood it, especially then once they signed Bogdanovich too. It's like, okay, that's like a real couple moves they've just made and utah doesn't usually do those type of things and they went and did it it's so, like i got it but i think i agree with you like their ceiling is probably still second round at this point yeah just again with how much superstar talents in the west they still don't have that guy unless mitchell becomes that guy and it's that's a possibility too yeah i'm just not quite betting on it and what will only be year three for him right he's still a young guy Yeah, and, like, that's the thing. If he takes that next step, like, this team obviously
1: gets catapulted. Now, they could have, like, a Portland way of breaking in the playoffs where they -hmm. get a fairly easy first round. Second round, they get pushed, but they still win, and then they end up in the Western Conference Finals against one of those really top-tier teams, and then they probably get mowed down. Yeah. Like, that. that's, like... I don't see this team making the NBA finals as it's currently in construction. Now, if they make some crazy move mid season, which I don't know how they could to go get another guy like that could absolutely change it. Of change course, the projection. But, but um, I, 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 I like Mitchell, but I don't know if this, this season he's going to make that jump. Sometimes it takes four or five seasons. Like we saw with Giannis. Yeah. Um, Matt, do you want to ask the question
0: you asked on the last podcast? I mentioned it at the top so four teams, gonna... four teams made the playoffs on this team from this uh, division last year i I think there's a more obvious answer this time than yeah. last time, but all right, over under's three and a half teams making the playoffs from this division go over under I would take the I took the under last podcast mm-hmm. I think I'm taking the under again
1: really. This kind of breaks whether, like, you could easily flip Minnesota and OKC. Yeah. Like, there are games there where Minnesota could gobble up those wins, and all of a sudden you're looking at an eight, eight seed. Yeah. I think both OKC and Minnesota miss, so that'd get me to the under. But, whew, that's a, that's a it takes me a second
0: to think about yeah. that. I, I think I would also go with the under. Whereas in the the Atlantic Division, we like of course knew the Knicks were missing the playoffs, and then it's really just a question of Toronto yeah. again, assuming good health for all these teams, just Toronto. And it's really just your opinion on this one team. And that's when it's two, it's Minnesota and OKC. I do wonder like if they almost like tear each other down a little bit in terms of like wins and losses. I agree. I'm going to take the under on this division. There's just a lot of good teams in the West. I can't assume four are going to come out of one division.
1: Yeah, I mean like. Yeah, you start you. The Lakers are gonna be better. There's a spot. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's just gonna be tough in the West to get into the playoffs, and then let alone be successful in the playoffs. Matt, do you have anything else you want to
0: add before we end our first Western Conference division? You know, I I think I'm good. I'm liking how these div- divisional breakdowns are going. Gets you a nice mix of teams.
1: Yeah, a lot of different uh situations for different different teams you see a lot of rebuilding and some teams who are gonna try to compete um it's gonna be i'm so excited for basketball to come back it's only the end of july but i really want it to be like october right now i know um anyway remember to follow us on twitter at nba couch and pod find us on instagram find us on any of your choice of uh podcast platforms and we're probably there Uh, leave us a rating and review would greatly appreciate that this has been episode 43 and we will see you back on episode 44 have a great weekend or week whenever you're listening